Welcome to the Free Lawyer Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Miles. The Free Lawyer Podcast is designed for the lawyer, entrepreneur, or professional who is in some way unfulfilled, stressed, or stuck, and is looking for something better. We will discuss various blocks that limit us from achieving the personal freedom that we all desire, but have not yet fully experienced. And we will give actionable steps to free yourself from them. Are you looking to achieve a new level of success? If so, this podcast is for you. Hey, everybody. So happy you can join us today. You know, this is an episode I'm really, really excited about. Um, You know, we have with us today a young woman, um, attorney of of several years practice, who has decided to take charge of her own life and be true to herself and her own values and create her own practice centered on how she wants to practice law, serving her clients in an area that she's very passionate about. So I'm really glad to have Stephanie McDonald with us today. Stephanie, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks so much for having me, Gary. Well, I'm glad to have you. You know, Stephanie, tell us a little bit about, you know, why you decided to become an attorney and what your first steps in your professional journey were. Yeah, so I it wasn't something, you know, I, I had been thinking about for for quite a long time. I I studied philosophy in university and it became clear that there was only a couple kind of career paths after that. Um, And I felt aligned with the the law school path. I just felt um, also, you know, I had the support of my dad who was always encouraging me to join a profession. And so I I just went ahead and and did that. I I loved school. I always do very well in school. Um, I always had such good relationships with my teachers and a lot of work but it's it's a very structured environment and I, I I really thrived in that environment um and then after law school I again I kind of just fell into a role I had two um job offers after the articling recruit and one was insurance defense and one was employment law and it, insurance defense sounded really boring and I didn't really want to defend insurance companies um that didn't feel aligned with my values at the time so I said let's try employment law I had taken the course in school and I really liked it and um, I absolutely fell in love with it. It's it's a really great way to empower um, employees and, um, you know, enforce their rights. I, I really get a kick out of, um, you know, sticking it to the big guy and um, enforcing my clients' rights and, and getting them wins and letting them go on and have more successful careers. That's that's really at the heart of why I love employment law for sure. <laughs> That's wonderful. When were you called to the bar, uh, Stephanie? 2020. Very May, good. May 28th. Yeah. And so <laughs> it was the, during um, employment law work that you did was on the employee side. Very, very much, uh, very much. So there's, there's always a few employer clients that I'm happy to work with, but um, my thing is I, I want to make workplaces better. So I'm happy to work with employers who also have similar values and, you know, care about not just their bottom line, but the health and wellness of their employees. So I'm trying to kind of expand my, my uh, client base with employers like that. Nice. You know, I really uh, support your passion. I, I practiced in that niche for a, a bit, representing employees and employment law claims. And and I always felt that they were, it was such a difficult place for them. They might've lost their job and their job was tied 
it shouldn't have been, but tied so much to how they saw themselves as a successful person or not. There was a lot of um, losses beyond financial when they lost their job because that was sort of their identity. And being able to yeah. get some relief for them was really um, empowering. Yeah, it's their identity um, personally, but also society tells you like your worth is in how much you can produce for these large companies that you might not even be aligned with. And so when you're not able to do that or you get fired um, from one of those companies, uh, it takes a real hit on your self-esteem and um, you know your sense of self-worth. So that's, that's, that's really difficult for sure. And I've been there myself. Tell me about your law firm experience. Yeah, so um, uh, I've had some really great and then some fairly poor experiences. Um, my best, and it wasn't even a law firm, but it was a community legal clinic at the school I went to for law school. That was by far my best experience in, in the legal field. Um, so we helped um, clients who could not afford um, legal services and who did not qualify for legal aid. So there's this an interesting, you know, part of the population that really has no access to legal services. So that, that's a wonderful goal, service. Yeah, yeah. A wonderful service. And great, great learning too. So I worked with four or five amazing lawyers. They were called like um review council, they were called. And um they were so supportive. They were there because they valued access to justice too. Um, and I felt like the whole team were aligned on on the values of let's help these people as much as we can and let's also get, get a great legal education. So I'm sure you know law school teaches, teaches you the theory, but it doesn't teach you how to be a lawyer. So um, I really enjoyed my time in the clinic. It was the first time I really felt seen in a, in a professional capacity. And, and what I mean by that is I just felt like the lawyers I was working with um, saw how dedicated I was to the cause saw like my potential um, and they really empowered me on a daily basis um, to kind of step into myself and become an amazing lawyer. Um, and so when I left that environment, I spent the whole three years of law school in that environment, um, made some amazing friends, had some great um, legal wins um, and helped a lot of people. And then when I left, I was kind of hoping that, you know, that same vibe would transfer over to the private law firm um, environment. And unfortunately, it, it, that was not the case. Um, tell me about your law a, firm. Tell me about your law firm experience. What was good about it? And what were the things mm -hmm. that were you didn't connect with that caused you issues? Yeah. So the good thing is that there's, there's always you can find great people wherever you go. And, and that wasn't an exception for me. Um, I had some amazing mentors who, who really cared about me um, personally and professionally and who would do anything to, to support me um, and would, you know, call, I would call them crying and they would help me feel better. And, you know, um, just a, a really um, fulsome support. And there's, you run into people who just have that natural mentoring and compassionate, um, way about them and there's so many people like that in the profession um and i definitely clung to those people and they helped me get through the law firm environment so well, i'm glad they, the, i'm glad you had that experience because um, a lot of folks feel that one of the challenges we face as a profession is that we don't learn how to practice law in law school and we go to a law firm sometimes we don't get the training or the mentoring that we need to handle that transition so I'm glad that you really had that experience because I think it's really important that all attorneys, but particularly younger attorneys, you know, have a compassionate, um, experienced lawyer they can turn to 
to help them work through some of those things. What were some of the struggles you experienced? You mentioned your mentor would help you when you were crying at night. What were some of the stresses you felt at your law firm experience? Yeah, so um, some of the mentors were great, but unfortunately there were some mentors that that unfortunately missed the mark on on in a in a few very important ways. Um, so it wasn't a perfect experience, but I do want to highlight the people who really did step up to the plate and and kind of meet me where I was. Um, and some of the other struggles were just, um, I think, the pressure of of you know performing at the very beginning is a lot. I started at a firm where you basically had 100% independence at the beginning. Um, and that was a lot for me. I, I wanted to be able to handle that, but it, it turned out that I wasn't ready for something like that. And I actually, I'm really happy with the boss that I worked for in my first firm because he he valued me and he helped me get a role that was more aligned with what I needed in that moment. So I had started a very intense litigation practice for four months. And I, I was having really bad mental health issues. And I reached out to my boss and said, this isn't working. Is there anything else I can do here? Um, and he helped me create a role um, that would allow me to continue my legal training, um, but also take a step back and kind of slow things down a little bit. So that was amazing. Um, and some of the other struggles are just like the arbitrary rules that, that didn't really make sense to me. Um, the lack of compassion I, I felt was very stark. Like, there was no, um, I, I felt like a robot a little bit of the times. Like I felt like I was expected to be a robot that I, I, I had to put like put myself and my concerns and my mental health issues at the door and just come and do it and do it at all costs. And that was kind of hard to, to deal with. And that wasn't every firm I worked at, but um, you know, that was, that was difficult the lack of compassion, lack of self-awareness from the management. And um, yeah, so it, it was a bit hard. Um, and I, you know, I think it, yeah. And then just like mostly, I think the biggest thing was just not being able to be my, myself because I was getting the message that you, you, you know, you're supposed to hide, you know, what's going on inside. The main thing is to, to your main uh, goal is to help the client. And if you can't do that, you gotta go. Like so, I felt like I couldn't um, be my imperfect human self. I felt like there was really a lack of humanity in a lot of these firms, unfortunately. Yeah, it it, and I've heard that from a lot of other people, and it's maybe it's partly because there are no courses on empathy and compassion in in law school, and um, my experience in law school, and perhaps yours as well, is very competitive. And uh, everyone was brilliant and trying really hard. And then you get into your law firm and there can be competition there. And um, somewhere empathy and compassion don't really make it into our profession the way that they should. And yeah. that does lead to a lot of wellness and mental health issues for a lot in our profession, which is really my passion to help folks with that because there are answers. And I've heard a lot about people working in places they consider to be toxic. Have you heard of, if not yourself, other lawyers who work at what they would call a toxic workplace? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, Many. And what's Many. the what's the cause of that toxicity and, and what can be a solution to it? I think a, a real huge one is um, people don't feel uh, safe or comfortable providing honest 
feedback to their managers. Um, it, it, my experience was that, um, you know, they weren't open to receiving that feedback. And if, if you did provide that feedback, um, it wasn't well received. Um, it was met with a lot of defensiveness. Um, and oftentimes it would be put back on you. Um, so you're made to be the problem as opposed to the problem that you're addressing. Um, and if that happens to you even once, um, it's really hard to come back from that and, and expect that you can have a reasonable open conversation with your boss. Um, so that's a huge one. The lack, just the lack of approachability to your boss. I think a second one is just a lack of self-awareness. Um, I think lawyers uh, who become managers, um, first of all, they don't do enough to actually train themselves as managers. I think in a normal corporation, you step up the ladder and you get training on all those various steps. Whereas so many lawyers go from associate to senior associate to managing people and they had never managed people before and yet they did nothing to arm themselves to be a manager um so it's that self-awareness and like self-accountability is lacking a lot yeah it's really, um, and then, really some great points you made there that i want to highlight i think um, yeah. being a good listener is is so important and you know i've seen it in, in lawyers in cases where I'll say something and they'll talk over me and interrupt me because they, they want to say their own piece and they don't really want to be, they don't want to listen. And I think a good mm -hmm. manager really listening to to staff and welcoming their concerns because we're all in this together. We should be like a team. We should be pulling in the same direction. And mm -hmm. often I've, I've learned from my years of experience that those who are newest or who are at the lower levels of an organization are the ones who have the best insights. And so they're the ones really on the battle lines. They know what's going on. They know what the problems are. So becoming better listeners really helps. And it's, you know, there are a lot of CLEs on a lot of things, um, how to practice law in a lot of different areas, but I don't see many uh, for uh, directed to lawyers or law professionals about how to be a better manager, how to be a better leader, and, you know, I, I believe in the concept of being a servant leader. And I think that escapes a lot of law firms where it's more like a dictatorship than being a servant. Mm -hmm. And I gather that's yes. your experience too. <laughs> yes. I've, I've never heard it put that way, but that's exactly what it is. It's, it's I'm here, uh, do what I need to, need to do or, or get up. Like there's no, it, it's very um, inhumane, to be honest with you. And I think another thing that's really lacking is this vulnerability piece. Um, I feel like the managers I've had the uh, pleasure of working with, like just fail at that a lot. So they're not willing to, to show um, themselves to receive criticism. It's really hard to receive criticism. I think like there's no two ways about that, but if you're, if you are committed to um, having a better law firm and serving your employees, um, you have to have some some element of vulnerability. I want to see see you be vulnerable and admit that this is a difficult career and and you know um, accept that feedback without shaming yourself. You know, I think that's a huge reason why feedback is not has not been well received. Is that they they feel like it's a personal attack and that you know um, they're a bad person for doing that. When no, it's just there's this problem and I want to I care enough about this this relationship to help us through that. Um, and it's really hard to receive that, but I think we can all do better at, you know, doing that personal work, doing that inner work um, to try to address those, those self-esteem and 
insecurity well, issues. Well, well said. Sure. You mentioned that you weren't able to be your authentic self in your law firm mm -hmm. experience. And, and I'm I'm with you on that. I, a principle that I try to live by is to thine own self be true. I think being mm -hmm. authentic to ourselves is really important. How were you not able to be your authentic self? Yeah, it's, it's a difficult question. Now that I'm like out of it, I'm like losing the walls and the chains of the law firm. Um, you know, I'm slowly kind of discovering myself again. But so it's really hard to to explain exactly how that happened. But I think it's, um, you know, you you look around and at, a, at most of the firms I worked at, no one, very few people spoke openly about mental health issues. So the fact that I was struggling so much um, and other people weren't talking about it made me feel ostracized and that I couldn't talk about it um, too openly. Um, I also felt like, you know, you don't have a lot of control over how you practice law. Um, in some ways you do and in some ways you don't, but I found um, sometimes that my, um, you know, the ways that I would have helped my clients were were in conflict with the way that the firm wanted me to do it. Um, so that was a bit difficult. And then like thirdly, just just bringing feedback to managers and being completely shut down and demoralized. Um, definitely, um, you know, the part of myself that wants to protect myself um, her response was to just fawn and to people please and to okay whatever you need and in, in that sense I completely betrayed myself and what I needed um, in my career to serve my employer because um, I really did feel stuck to an employer um, especially as a young lawyer it's like well who's going to go start their own firm at such a young age um, so I felt stuck I felt stuck I spent all this money on the education um, didn't see a way out of it, um, felt completely beholden for this paycheck um, for my employer. And so whenever they, they had me do something that wasn't in line with myself, I would, I would betray myself and just do what they needed. My compliments to you for figuring out that people-pleasing behavior at such a young age. Um, it took me many years past you before I could start to manage that because uh, I have struggled with that um, as well. You know, one of the things that I, you just said is you felt stuck. And I think mm -hmm. so many younger lawyers feel stuck. You, you, you get out of law school, you have a choice of insurance defense or em employment law representing employees. You choose that and you're there for a couple of years and then you feel stuck. Is this what I really want? And so many of us have been there. And part of the problem is we don't really step back and look at our values and what's important to us. But you, and what I love about your story is you did that. You figured out what your values are as a, as a person and as an attorney, and you decided to create your own journey. Tell me about how you identified a process to get unstuck, determine your values, and start on a new journey. <laughs> that's such, a, that's such a, a huge question. I Sorry about it, that. It's, <laughs> it's a work in progress day to day, I'm, I'm still figuring out myself. Cause I think the thing with working in firms and kind of making myself small for so many years is I completely lost touch with, with who I am and, and what I like and what I want and what I want to do. Um, so now that I'm outside of that environment, um, the growth has been extremely accelerated. Um, but how did I figure it out? I think there's a number of things. I enlisted as much help 
external help as possible. Obviously, there's always going to be, hopefully you have a good support system, like family, friends, um, and stuff like that. But I engaged as much paid help as well. So I had a social worker, a psychotherapist. Um, I talked to a psychologist one time. It didn't work out very well, but a couple career coaches, a um, couple life coaches, um, and so many self-help books. So that was kind of a good to get the knowledge, to get the the introspection, to get the understanding and support was was number one. Number two, giving myself permission to just to just be myself, even if it's uncomfortable. So it's really hard to let go of the the chains of people pleasing because um, my default is to do you know what's what other people want for me. So now that I'm alone. Uh, and I don't have that, I, I'm figuring out kind of what that looks like for me and, and what do I want and listening to my my inner being, getting in touch with um, myself, which, which I've been completely disconnected from her for decades, to be honest with you. So um, and that's what happened. And my so recently I started a new job on like April 10th and on April 11th, I'd quit the job. It just wasn't going to work out for me. And that was the very first time in my career that I had listened to myself, trusted myself, and actually acted on um, what I knew to be true to myself. So that was an extremely empowering experience. Took me two and a half years to get to that point, by the way. So if it's if you're you, not even you probably feel such personal freedom because now you can practice law in the way that's important to you and consistent with who you really are. Exactly. Exactly. You know, one of the things I can... that I want to highlight about what you said is, is using outside sources, um, mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. a therapist or a coach. Um, you know, sometimes we lawyers like to think we're invincible. We, we have this aura that we have all the answers and it's very, very hard uh, to admit that we need help. I'm, I'm a sober recovering alcoholic and I know it was very, very hard for me to admit I needed help with that. And when I did, boy, the doors open, everything worked out great. Um, and willingness and, and being asked, willing to ask for help is so important. And, and I compliment you for that. So when you left that firm just um, not too long ago, what did you do then? You opened your own firm, right? Yeah, I did. Yep. Like the very so next tell day. Us, tell told, us about that. Yeah. So the, the opening my own firm had been kind of planted, uh, I had already planted that seed kind of earlier this year. Um, I was thinking about it. Um, so I, I quit my my second last job without having anything lined up. And the goal was, if I don't get a job offer in my very long notice period, that I would start my own firm. And then like a week before the end of the notice period, I get a job offer. And that totally changed my, my thought process. I thought, okay, well, I can, it sounds like a good firm, whatever. I'd be happy to to try it out. But my I promised myself that I would stay authentic to myself. And if I found that something wasn't working, I would immediately, you know, say no to that. And that's what happened. And so, yeah, I've, I've, I've now created a firm. It's called Workplace Sage Legal. And my overarching um, big picture goal is to make workplaces better. And I want to do that in a few different ways. I want to help employees empower themselves at work, um, empower them to get the help they need, to do the introspection, to make big career changes with perhaps what they've chosen is not right for them. Um, I also want to just, you know, inform them of their rights in the workplace and enforce those rights for them if need be. Um, my whole thing is I want to kind of dispel the power imbalance between employers and employees. And a huge way to do that is to work with the employees and empower them, uplift them, 
give them the tools they need to advocate for themselves. And then on the employer side, um, you know, I think it, it would be uh, incomplete if I didn't also work with them to help make workplaces better because really they have a, a, a large portion of the power I think needed to, to change workplaces. So I wanna work with self-aware employers who are willing to be vulnerable, who are willing to change, who are willing to be, um, you know, not defensive with feedback. Um, and I want to work with them to improve their their workplace culture. And I'm I'm calling this a, a workplace autopsy. So I want to go in workplaces, dissect kind of the situation, talk to the current and even past employees, talk to management, um, create kind of an, an assessment of the workplace and then provide recommendations um, and, you know, clear paths forward for employers to improve their um, their culture. Well, I think that's that's wonderful. I think um, what uh, is important to know is that the better the workplace culture, the more affirming, the more supportive, the more productive the employees are, the more efficient the organization is. And it's it's a win for the company or law firm, and it's a win for the employees as well. They don't yeah. have to be they don't have to be in conflict. They can be working together to make the place better and um, sometimes it's done through shows and not a, a, to you know some some day where we talk about wellness or something but really it's more cultural and needs to be an everyday thing and I love that you're doing that um Stephanie I know you've had had connections with a lot of different lawyers in your practice what are the biggest problems you see lawyers facing today um, mental health, I think, is a, is a huge one. I think, um, you know, people really struggle with with law firm culture and, and feeling stuck and having a huge amount of debt and, you know, not really knowing what to do with that, <laughs> not feeling like they have options, um, not feeling like they have resources or someone in their corner who who can accommodate them, essentially. I think the difficult thing with mental health is the employer's like, well, can you do your job? And it's, the employee side is like, I can, I just need a little more help. I need a little bit more care and attention and a little bit more guidance. Um, and I think that's hard to ask for because a lot of law firms will make you feel like you're asking too, you're simply asking too much. And that's kind of the vibe I got in my personal experience. And I, I see that with other people too. Um, and I think it results just from a lack of compassion and humanity from the from the management it's like get this done I don't care how how long you have to do it I don't care how much misery it causes you just get it done client clients number one so in my firm I'm once I hire once I hire people I'm making it clear that actually employees and staff are number one and um, clients are important obviously but I'm never going to put a client ahead of um, you know my people <laughs> oh that's wonderful you know the ABA did a study some years back and identified the terrible mental health I'll use the word crisis our profession faces. Mm -hmm. 25 mm -hmm. to 32% of lawyers who answer the survey struggle with substance abuse. And about 12% of them had suicidal thoughts in the last year. Those are some scary numbers. And it, it really is a problem. So what what do you think for that lawyer who, who feels that way, who feels stuck, who feels powerless, who is struggling with anxiety, tension, stress, depression? Who's, who's hearing you today, what suggestions do you have for that lawyer? That's a great question. I have I have a few actually. Um, number one is reach out to me. Um, 
I've been through this and I'm, I'm really generous with my, my time and my stories. Um, you know, even just speaking with someone who's been through a similar thing can be very validating. And, you know, I might be able to give you some ideas about where to go next. So reach out to me on LinkedIn or by email and happy to talk. Cause this is, this is a passion of mine. It's not um, something I do for money. I, I want to uplift other lawyers in the profession too. So, so I'm here um, happy to chat with any, anyone. Um, and then a few other things is people don't maybe don't know their right to take a medical leave of absence. So I know you're in America, it might be a little bit different there, but in Canada, um, you have an unfettered right to take a medical leave of absence, as long as that absence is supported by your doctor. Um, and it's pretty easy to get that support from your doctor if you have a good doctor and you have a good relationship with them. Um, and the important thing about that is you should have regular appointments with your doctor as you're going through this mental health concerns because you you need some records about how things have been going um, in case you need to make a disability claim um, or something like that. So don't feel afraid or, or um, you know, too uncomfortable in taking a medical leave of absence. It's a right that you have and you should you should take it if you can. Um, I've taken medical leave, leaves of absence since my, my call to the bar on two or three occasions. Two of them were for COVID, but um, a couple of them were also for mental health. And it's, it's, it's hard to take them, but I felt better after I was able to kind of reset and, and get back on the horse kind of thing. Um, third is like, just get as much help as possible um, if you can. I think there's some coaches who offer like more discounted rates. Um, a lot of your benefits might cover a psychologist and increasingly more benefit plans are also covering psychotherapists and social workers. So engage as much help as humanly possible. And then last, um, this is a, this is a tough one, but you need to give yourself permission to be yourself um, and to listen to yourself and your intuition and what it is you need um, on a day to day, on a year to year basis and continually reassess that and be committed to listening to your inner self. Because I think we stray when we, when we ignore that inner self and we make decisions based on what other people want for us or what our firms want for us. So um, that's a huge one and it requires a lot of bravery, but that's kind of my journey right now. I'm kind of finally um, getting out of the ceiling of what other people want for me. And it, it's extremely empowering and um, it feels, feels much better than the previous situation. So those I, are my I love how empowered you feel and how personally free you feel. And I love those tools you gave. I think using outside help can be really um, important. Um, and it really starts with being self-aware. Um, I might've put mm -hmm. things in a different order than what you did. Uh, because when we listen to our gut, uh, when we really reflect on how we're feeling, when we have that feeling of uncomfortableness or resistance or tension, that's our body telling us something's wrong. Something's not right. Mm -hmm. We're not in alignment. And, mm -hmm. and um, getting someone to help us see that and to see that that's okay to feel that way is important because we probably don't get that at our law firm. You know, I've talked with folks who are mentors in law firms, mentoring law firm staff, and it's a very important role. There's also sort of a conflict of interest because they have a duty to law firm to get the attorney to comply with how things are supposed to be and a duty to the attorney to help them too. So using someone right. outside can be really, really beneficial. What are your dreams for your practice, Stephanie? I would, I really just 
I, I'm really devoted to this idea of making workplaces better. Um, you know, I've been in bad workplaces. So many of my clients have had just terrible work experiences. And I feel like we spend so much time at work um, that this is a really big area for, for improvement for me. Um, so my dream is I really want to be a leader in the workplace improvement kind of movement. Um, I want to kind of revolutionize the way that we see business. I feel like um, workplace culture is really um, kind of an appendage of, of what it was like post-World War II. I feel like post-World War II, you didn't have, the word toxic workplace definitely didn't exist. Everyone was just like scratching away to survive and it was all about survival. And now that we're in 2023, I think that survival mode is, is lessening a little bit. And, and naturally, I think that means that our standards for how we um, um, administer workplaces also has to come up. So I really want to be a, a force for change. And I'm also thinking of whether I want that to be for law firms in general or just corporations in general. I think I have a special uh, you know, connection to law firms and law firm wellness. So I might consider doing that, but I wanna make workplaces better. I wanna em empower employees. I want to um, you know, forge change in, in the minds of employers and hopefully still make them a bunch of money. <laughs> well, that's great stuff. You know, what, what I'm struck when I listen to you is, you know, we lawyers are very smart. We're very intellectual. We're trained to think and write but you practice law with your heart as well. Um, yeah. You have a passion of service um, and, and of support to those you work with and work for. And sometimes our heart gets removed from the practice of law. There's just so much pressure and so much tension and so much to do. The opportunity to be self-aware um, and think of ourselves and our needs and to bring our heart into our practice really is absent. And, and I can see you do that, don't you? Practice with your heart. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying to, um, and this, this is all very new for me, but I, I just came to realize that some of the people I had been working for, like had clearly closed their hearts off a long time ago. Um, and they weren't willing to, to listen to their inner being or, um, you know, treat people with, with the humanity that they deserve. And I think they probably did that to survive. Um, I've definitely shut down my heart to, to survive too, because um, you know, if, if I wanted the paycheck, if I wanted to, you know, to have career stability, um, I really did have to shut down myself. And I think I, I recognize that myself lives in my heart a lot. It's in my mind too. But, um, anyway, I, I think workplaces will be served better if, if we can open our hearts and, and make decisions with hearts and minds, um, as well as just, you know, for the employee side, kind of listening to yourself and not accepting less than, um, you know, what your heart desires and needs. Um, yeah, so it's it's a it's an interesting thing, but um, I would love to just move more from the mind to the heart and um, kind of include some of my spiritual, um, you know, interest in that too. I've, I've done a lot of like meditation and stuff like that, and it it does wonders for for your soul and just your well-being. And I kind of want to bring that into, into workplaces and how I do, how I advise my clients for sure. That's fantastic. Um, mm -hmm. What does true personal freedom mean to you, Stephanie? You know, I call this podcast the free lawyer because I've seen how many lawyers feel trapped mm -hmm. and 
And my passion is to help them find true personal freedom in their life where what they do, they find fulfilling and successful and, and they're happy and free. What does true personal freedom mean to you? For me, it means keeping my heart open and doing everything I can to take care of myself so that I can keep my heart open. There's all these like um, studies in the world. I can't, I can't uh, cite them for you, um, but a lot of energy flows through your heart. And when you close your heart, you're actually de depleting your body of, of energy. Um, and I've noticed that in myself. So being free means to be able to keep my heart open. And that's, you know, I also come from a very privileged position, like as a white person coming from a middle-class family, but like everything you can do to, to keep your heart open. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be a paid situation, but doing the inner work, buying a couple self-help books and like just committing to keeping your heart open, I think can go a long way. And then second, and this is so much fun, is saying no. I have been just like a yes woman, I think my entire life. It's because I wanted to please people. You you want this for me? Okay, I'll do it. Um, but now that I'm in my own firm, I've been saying no, no to clients that I don't necessarily feel aligned with. I've been saying no to obviously vendors. There's so many vendors coming out of the woodwork being like, I have all these services. Now that you have your own firm, so I'm, I'm saying no to those things that don't work for me. I'm also saying no to the things like the way things have been done for years. I think there's a, there's a problem with the way things have been done. And I want to do things completely differently. Um, I haven't quite figured out how that looks like, but um, I'm just, I'm not following a template. Like I want to, I want to run this firm like completely the way Stephanie would run it. So that's very exciting. Um, well, that's keep, pretty much it. Yeah, That's great. Keeping our heart open and learning to say no, you know, so many of us struggle with setting those boundaries and, and that leads to the burnout that so many of us suffer from. And, and I guess in a firm, it's hard sometimes to say no, but learning to say no, keep our heart open, you know, that's great. You know, Stephanie, as we wrap up, um, if anyone listens to this today and, and wants to learn more about your journey or chat with you about their situation, um, how can people best get in touch with you? Um, the best place to get in touch with me is LinkedIn or email. Um, and LinkedIn, you can find me at um, my, well, my name on LinkedIn is Stephanie McDonald. And then I'm just trying to get you the, uh, my actual um, URL here. I believe it's, yeah, it's just Stephanie-O-McDonald. Um, and you can find me there. And then by email, you can reach me at Stephanie at WorkplaceSage.com. And I'd be happy to, to chat with you. Well, what I love, and I thank you so much for your time today, Stephanie. I love how at a very um, early stage in your career, uh, you identified that you weren't happy with the course you were taking, and you took the courageous decision to chart a new course, one that is in alignment with your values and one where you can practice law with the passion you have to serve the people you want to serve. So I thank you for doing that. It's my pleasure and I'm I'm having a great time doing it. This is the most myself I've felt in years. And I think when you're aligned with yourself, um, you know, the change and potential you have is is uh astronomical. So yeah, it's it's infinite. So that's exciting when you finally break out of those chains. Um chains. Um 
endless possibilities. And that's, that's how I'm feeling right now. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much, Stephanie. And for all of our listeners here today, thank you for your time in, in hearing Stephanie and learning how you can create freedom by aligning uh, your professional life with your values. So to all of you who listen today, as always, please be well, be safe, and be free. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Free Lawyer Podcast. Wherever you are listening, if you enjoyed what I shared, please leave me a rating and review. I would appreciate hearing more about what you like best and what topics you might like me to cover in future episodes. If you are interested in experiencing a more fulfilling and a more successful life, please contact me at www garymiles.net where you can schedule a free discovery call with me so I can learn more about you, your challenges, and your dreams. I appreciate each and every one of you and have a great rest of your day. Thanks to all of you for your support.